morning, everybody. The reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 10, uh, beginning at verse 25. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And you can find this on page 1041 in the Church Bibles. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he was traveled, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return... I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. <clears throat> it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. For those who are uh, fellowshipping with us on the live stream, it's great to have you with us too. Now, um, as is the way of the world today, um, I've got my phone with me, not because I'm going to social media or anything, but I'm just going to put on my stopwatch, otherwise I could easily run over time, and we certainly don't want to do that. So I have 25 minutes to share a lot of different things this morning, share a bit about compassion, uh, share more importantly from God's Word. What is God saying to us about humble compassion? But I'm going to start with another three C's, if you don't mind, because actually uh, it seems to be the theme of the day, but there are three C's that will help all of us remember a little bit about who compassion is and what we do. We are a Christian 
child development ministry. And these three C's are, first and foremost, we are Christ-centered. So everything we do is centered on God's Word, and, and our reason for doing is that Christ loves us, and therefore, we want to be part of His work. We want to minister for Him and for His kingdom. Secondly, we are church-based. We always work through the local church, whether it's here in the UK, like this morning, or whether it's in, in countries like Sri Lanka, and we'll come to that in a moment, but we always work through the local church, those who are closest to community, who love their own community, who want to serve their own community. And thirdly, we are child-focused. We are a child development organization. It is about seeing children ministered to, but ultimately empowered in order to have a hope and a future and a life beyond the circumstances that they find themselves in. And it's particularly a joy to be with you this morning because as a fellowship, um, you as a church, you support 43 children in a number of different countries. And if you are one of those faithful, committed supporters, I want to give you a big thank you for that. 43 children, 34 in Sri Lanka. There they are. There's a bit of a rogues gallery. Of, of faces. Believe me, they do smile. Um, they do laugh. They have a lot of fun in the project. They have a lot of fun in their life in spite of their circumstances. But sometimes when a camera is thrust into your face, I know the same myself. I take a terrible photograph, to be honest. I'm always wanting to avoid it. But they, they do have a great time. Um, there's the 43. 34 of them in Sri Lanka, three in Kenya, and one each in Bolivia, Ghana, Colombia, Ethiopia, Togo, and Rwanda. You're represented in a number of different continents with these 43 other members of your fellowship that are being ministered through your generosity. And I want to give you thanks. I want us to do something quite un-British, and I want to give a thank you. So come on, let's give one another a thank you for that. And if we move to the next slide, please, Vashia Shio. There's, there's a whole host of slides I could walk through here, but my 25 minutes would be gone. So just very quickly, here's just some of the things that's happening because of your generosity, the hours that are being invested in these children, the food that they get to eat, the Bible that they are given when they join the project in the first place, uh, lots of different ways in which the children are ministered to. And the next one is just about your generosity. There is almost £20,000 just in the last 12 months have been given from this fellowship, ministering into these children's lives, investing into their lives so that they have a hope and they have a future. And I want to thank you for that humble compassion Month after month, your generosity, quietly giving, ministering to the Lord, but ministering to these children in a very practical way. You've been faithful in the last three. Well, the last time I was here was just before COVID, you know, that period in time where we want to try and forget, but still was probably still with us in some ways. But 
You've been faithful in those challenges. COVID, cost of living, everything that's going on in the world, and yet your generosity has remained constant, and I want to thank you for that. But what does God say about us being truly compassionate, about being humble and compassionate? We've got this passage here, which for many of us is a well-known passage, and it's the story of Good Samaritan. And in this story, there are three questions. This teacher of the law comes to Jesus, and as is so often the case, what they're actually trying to do is to test Jesus, is to trip him up, is to try and make him say something, the wrong thing at the wrong time, that they can then use that to beat him up with. And, and here this is another occasion where a teacher of the law wanting to test Jesus, and there are three questions that I want us to quickly look at uh, and, and, and unpack what it is to be compassionate, the reasons for our compassion, the motivation for our compassion, they're in this passage. So the first question that the teacher of the law asks is in verse 25, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this teacher of the law was used to doing to inherit eternal life. Did you know there are 613 laws in the Old Testament which Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, they had to fulfill these 613 laws. It was, and, and 365 of them were things that we shouldn't do, and the remainder were things that we should do. And it was all about what must I do? And yet Jesus, in his answer to this question, he says, what you have to do you have to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do this, and you will live. Do this, and you will live. It's not about obeying 613 laws. It's not even about praying, coming to church on a Sunday morning, giving, fasting. All of those things are wonderful things to do. They're part of our faith they will help us to grow in our relationship with Christ, but ultimately, we are going to be judged on, do you love me? Remember, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Feed my sheep. It's about loving Christ because he first loved us. And what do we do? Actually, we cannot earn, I'm sure you know this, but you, we cannot earn our salvation tells us in Romans very clearly it is by faith that we have been saved. That is a gift from God himself. It's what Christ has done for us that enables us to be able to then love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, with all of our strength, and all of our mind. That's a tough bar to get over. But thank God, he is a God of grace and he is a God of mercy. If we go to 1 Timothy 1, Paul talks about this. He talks, he's, he's, he's writing this letter to Timothy from prison that's in his last days. And one of the last things that he says in that letter, he says, I was a blasphemer and I was a persecutor. But thank God that he has lavished his grace and his mercy 
upon me, and now I can have a relationship with God through Christ. Paul's understanding was, yes, I'm an apostle, but actually what I was and what I am now is because of God's grace and his mercy that has been lavished upon me. I don't know about you, but when I go for a meal, you know, you've got these, these Michelin-style restaurants, and you go for a meal, and somebody sort of puts a bit of something dirty on your plate, you know, there's a couple of little scraps of carrot or something, and it costs you 25 quid. I want lavish when I go for a meal. I'm expecting, you know, I'm a man from the north, I'm expecting the gravy, plenty of it. And here, God is saying through Paul, he has lavished, he's not been parsimonious with his grace, he has lavished his grace upon you and upon me. His mercy is new every morning. I don't care about your background, he says. I was a blasphemer, man. I was a persecutor. God doesn't care about your background. He cares about your future in Christ. Lavished. The second question. This, again, about the testing. This is a particularly challenging question, I find. In verse 29, in wanting to justify himself, he said, who is my neighbor? We could have paraphrased that verse by saying, what's the least I can get away with? In wanting to justify himself, he says, I was the typical C student at school. Don't know about you, um, maybe you were an A plus or an A star or whatever they call it nowadays. I was a C. I knew just what I had to do to get a pass. I wasn't bothered about an A, because actually that was too much of hard work. I, in order to justify myself, in order to get that pass mark, I did just enough. It wasn't a D. I was definitely not an A. And that was good enough. Good enough was good enough. And here, this teacher of the law, he wants to know, what's, what's enough? I don't want to do more than enough. Remember, he's talking to, to Jesus here. We're talking about this God who lavishes his grace and his mercy upon us, and yet we can be in a position, I have been in the position when I've said to myself, Lord, I'm prepared to do this. Is that enough? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. All. Not just enough, but all. Now, that's a challenge. That's tough. And then Jesus unpacks this parable for the teacher of the law, and he talks about, and it's a well-known parable, these three men who come across this stranger in the road who's been beaten, stripped, and left half dead. We know very little about this person. We don't know what school he went to. We don't know which uh, political party he decided he was going to vote for. We don't know what color he was. We don't know whether he was rich. We don't know whether he was poor. We just know he was beaten, stripped, and left half dead. And these three men came across him. And two of them passed by on the other side. One was a priest, the other one was a Levite, who you could argue should have known better. They understood, they already knew, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength and mind, and yet they passed by on the other side. Now, we don't know the reasons why. 
Um, and it's not for us to judge what those reasons might have been, and certainly not to judge them. But one person, one person decided that they were going to show compassion. He had, it says in verse 33, he had compassion upon him. He was moved and he was stirred into action. Stirred into action. 43 children are being ministered to this very morning because of your generosity, because of your action, because of your loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength and mind, and showing humble compassion. You're not doing it for your own sake. You're not doing it to earn anything. You're doing it out of love and compassion. And I thank you for it. And here, the Samaritan decides, I am going to do something about this. This was a particularly dangerous road that they were on. And it was quite uh, understood that what could often happen is that somebody would get beaten and stripped and left half dead. And those who, who perpetrated that crime would be round the corner behind a boulder looking. And if somebody stopped, quite often they got the same treatment and they were also robbed. So this was a dangerous thing that this Samaritan in this parable could have been doing. And yet, I want to put love in action. It's about our action. James talks about this. In James chapter 2, he says, I will show you my faith by my works. And those are works which God had planned for us in advance to do. Folks, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. A plan and a purpose that is going to impact on other people's lives. A plan and a purpose that will see other people's lives transformed because of your generosity, generosity of prayer, generosity of time, generosity of just being an ear that is willing to listen and a person that is willing to stand alongside. There's a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. Quite easy to want to justify ourselves, but God is saying, I'm all in for you. I proved it on the cross that I'm all in for you. So to love him with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind, it is not easy. And thank God for his grace and mercy because I fail every day. But he still loves me. He still loves you. The third question. Which of these do you think was the neighbor? Well, that's pretty easy for us to answer now as we read this passage together. Remember, they couldn't identify whether it was a Jew, whether it was a Gentile, whether they were rich, whether they were poor, whether they were good, whether they were bad, whether they were whatever political persuasion. They knew nothing about this person. And the Samaritan, who was despised by the Jews, decided that they were going to do something about it. But compassion comes with a cost. It talks here in this passage about the, the Samaritan taking the person to an inn on his own donkey, takes him to the inn and says to the innkeeper, look after this person and I'll be back tomorrow. And by the way, here's some money to make sure that you care for this person. And as Christians, as followers and disciples of Jesus, it can cost us it will cost us to love our neighbor. 
And actually, this passage tells us that our neighbor is anybody who is in need. It's not just someone who may speak the same language as us. It's not just someone who may have the same skin color as us. It's not just someone who maybe comes to this church or shares our faith. It could be anyone and everyone. And Jesus is saying, love your neighbor as yourself. He has commanded us. This passage is a command. I am commanded to love God. And in my loving of God, I'm then also commanded to love my neighbor. That is a challenge. A challenge that we all face because some neighbors are lovelier than others. I've got a neighbor who is particularly lovely. She's an old lady. She's in the apartment below me. She has her heating on at 85 degrees. The heat comes up through the floor. I never have to put my heating on. It's absolutely fantastic. But she is a lovely old lady. On the other hand, I've got another neighbor. And you'll not be surprised to know it's a bloke. Parking spaces. Oh, you don't want to go there where a bloke in his parking space. And I've got to love both. It's easy to love one. It's not so easy to love the other. And God's saying... You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? Clearly, it's anybody who is in need. Anybody who is in need. You live in the most metropolitan, cosmopolitan city in the world. John was just telling me earlier on this morning about the number of different nationalities that have been coming through your door for the Christianity Explored and, and, and other folks. Folks are coming... In this most cosmopolitan of cities, the love of God doesn't care whether they're black, whether they're white, whether they're Muslim, whether they're Hindu. God loves each and every one, and he expects us, his church, to reach out and to be that neighbor. So what does God expect of you and of me? That's a tough one, isn't it? It's great being part of a fellowship and we get support and it feels secure and we can come on a Sunday morning and enjoy the worship and enjoy the kids going mad and just smiling and laughing and all those great things. But actually, what does God expect of me? Even in our weakness, he expects me to be the one to reach out, to put my love for him into action for others. There's lots of ways that you are doing that already as a fellowship. There are 43 children as testimony of what you're doing as a fellowship of putting love into action. And just for the last five minutes, what I'd like us to do, I want to show a short video. Then I'm going to uh, do something again pretty un-British. I'm going to ask you to maybe consider sponsoring a child. Many of you already do. That's just a few testimonies of what it is and the difference it makes when children are invested in. And there are 43 children being invested in from this fellowship. However, maybe from what we have said this morning, you have been uh, challenged or inspired to say, you know what, I am interested in what compassion does. And maybe I, I sponsor already, maybe I could sponsor again. I'm well aware of the challenges that we face in our world today. But we mentioned Sri Lanka earlier on. Sri Lanka has a, an inflation rate of 75%. 75%, can you imagine going for a loaf of bread next month or even next week and it's twice the price it was last week? Those are the challenges that folks face and yet we can make a difference. In children like Tarun, 
Tarun is, uh, he's also from Sri Lanka. He's, he's three years of age, little lad. He lives only with his mother. We don't know where his father is. He needs someone to come alongside him, just like these other 43. I was going to actually have a hands-up moment, but time is gone, so it's probably easier uh, to ask folks to think about this, to pray about this. At the end of the service, there will be tea and coffee, I believe. Oh, and cake. Don't forget the cake. Tea, coffee, and cake. I will be in amongst it there. I will have a number of child profiles with me. This is something that you're interested in. Come and have a word with me. Come and speak to me. For less than a pound a day, you can transform the life of a child. You'll give them a hope and a future just like we saw on the video. Folks, I want to thank you again for your generosity. We never take it for granted. The children don't take it for granted. And I pray that as you seek to minister to your local community here, and beyond, that God will continue to bless you. Thank you. Amen.